So religion boils down to basically that those with power and influence put rules on those without power and influence in order to control them, right? Maybe, I don't really know. But see, that's not the Jesus way. No, the Jesus way is way better. And you're thinking, yeah, right? Christian rules really are to make sure God's happy with us, right? So we don't get smited by his holy smiter. Nope. In fact, the first rule of the Jesus way is there are no rules. So let's talk about it together. From the outside, religious people seem to love rules, don't they? Why is that? Because we think if we can control ourselves with rules, we can control how happy God is with us. There's And there's so many crazy rules out there. The crazy rules, like I remember hearing growing up around church people and stuff, is like, I remember being told I couldn't wear a hat in church for some reason. And you gotta wear your Sunday best clothes, right? Uh, I had somebody, a speaker come to a group of teenage kids and say that rock music was bad because the beat was used in devil worship in Africa. Uh, I remember hearing that the husband has to be the one in charge of the relationship and he has to be the breadwinner and the wife has to stay home and submit in everything because that's what God wants. Uh, other rules I've heard, you know, like no meat on Fridays. Uh, Christians can't gamble and, and drink and smoke and, you know, God's against interracial marriage and things like that. The problem is our rules often have nothing to do with God. Religious rules are usually based on arbitrary preferences, cultural norms, and blatant prejudices. And Jesus didn't come to give us new rules. As we saw in the last episode, Jesus came to give us, to bring us new life, to bring us back into the dance of triune God, the dance we were created to enjoy in the first place. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to make us new, to, to make us born again from above. And the Holy Spirit is making a people for himself to show the world who God is through the lives of these new, already not yet humans, meaning they're already experiencing the life of God now, but they're not yet in the world remade by God's love. These are people who are a picture of what humanity will be someday. But to be able to live this way now, we need something different than just the usual rules. Jesus didn't give us new rules. He gave us the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're used to religion and, and church and that type of stuff, this discussion might make you feel a little uncomfortable. And that's okay. I totally get it. Because all this might sound kind of loosey-goosey. And, and wouldn't everyone, if we just don't have rules, wouldn't everyone just do whatever they want and, and say it's good? Like, don't we need some kind of standard to hold ourselves and, and others accountable to? Well, this idea made people uncomfortable when this whole thing first started in the first place. So around 50 AD, less than 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, in the racially, culturally, religiously diverse province, Roman province of Galatia, these people came into the community of Jesus followers. They called Judaizers. And what they're trying to do is, is get these new Christians to follow the rules of the Jewish religion, saying that they had to follow Torah and, and get circumcised in order to please God. And so Paul writes them a letter, which we call the book of Galatians. And in it, he said, he's like, what are you talking about? Rules and circus? Like, are you crazy? No, the Jesus way has nothing to do with following religious traditions and rules. Oh, you foolish Galatians. Who has cast an evil spell on you? 
For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Holy Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. He goes on to say, the only thing that actually matters, the only thing that's actually important is faith expressing itself in love. Which, if, if you remember, that's Jesus' new commandment, right? To love God, to trust God, and take that trust to love your neighbor as yourself. Which really wasn't that new of a commandment. It was the whole point of, what, of all God had revealed about himself throughout the history of Israel. And if you think about it, it's really not a rule. Because as we'll see, it's, it's simply being and living out who we were originally made to be. And so Paul says that, and, and he's a smart guy. He expects some pushback. Like, because we're so used to justifying ourselves and, and making sure we're okay by following and, and checking off the rules. And so he answers this question. If we don't have a list of rules to follow, how do we know how to live? So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And that's the main point. The Holy Spirit is the key to living as the people of God. He says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives in this translation. And maybe a better translation would be uh, live by the Spirit or walk by the Spirit. And this, this guiding, this living, this walking by the Holy Spirit, it's not like a one-time decision thing. It's an ongoing lifestyle where all aspects of our life are directed and transformed by the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And this actually is a promise. If we are walking by the Spirit, if we're letting the Spirit continually guide our lives, he's saying, you will not, it's a promise, you will not do what the sinful nature craves. Instead, you will do what Jesus would do because he's living inside of you and through you with his Spirit. The Holy Spirit is making Jesus followers into who Jesus would be if he was living their lives. So no, if the Holy Spirit is in them, they don't need rules and they don't do whatever they want. He says the sinful nature. What's that? Well, it's, it's basically what humans naturally do. Who we are apart from knowing and experiencing God's confident love. But as already not yet people, Jesus followers have this foot in two worlds. There's, they have our, we have our foot in the kingdom of God where we're led by the spirit and our foot in the kingdom of the, that sinful nature where we live apart from God. And Paul says, the sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. This, he's talking about this incessant warfare that every person who's walking by the spirit experiences every day. Now, the end of that verse, I think, is actually a poor translation in this. It's not that this sinful nature is more powerful than the spirit. And so we can't do the good things we want to do. I think a better translation would be these things are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. And Paul's saying, like, these two sides are at war. But because you have the spirit, you don't do what you naturally want to do. Like, think about it. If you have the Holy Spirit, you maybe you want to slap that person. Maybe you want to flip them off or yell at them 
or stay bitter at them, but you don't. Maybe you want to take revenge, but instead you find yourself forgiving. What makes that change happen? It's not a set of rules or laws. No. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. He's saying you don't need the law if you have the Holy Spirit. This is what God had promised hundreds of years before this. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. The Holy Spirit empowers and teaches the new people of God to live the new life of God. And Paul knows that this is a lot, right? And this is, he's thinking about his Galatian people and the religion they've grown up with. And he's saying, I know this is totally different from what you've experienced in all your other religious experiences. So let me give you some examples of, of this difference here. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear, he says. Very clear. They're, they're obvious. Like, everyone already knows this stuff is, like, not good. Like, everybody knows that though this is the natural way humans live, deep down we know it's destructive and, and really not the best way for humans to live. And so he gives us a list. And it's not like this definitive list, like, these are all the bad things that you do. Stay away from these bad things. What he's doing is painting an overall picture of these two factions at war. So he has a, a list of a picture of life in the sinful kingdom and a picture of life under the spirit, the life that results. And so he's talking about the life that results from either side. And so this first set is, a, is a, like four groups of examples of life in the sinful nature. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. So all these things are like dehumanizing each other for personal pleasure, especially to the group of people he's writing to, the way Roman culture viewed sexuality. Because if you had the power and, and the social standing, then you could do whatever you wanted to anyone lower than you. And then he goes on, he says, idolatry and, and sorcery meaning allegiance to anything that isn't the one true God, idolatry and, and sorcery, relying on spirits and magic and superstitions instead of relying on Jesus, on God, on the Holy Spirit. Basically trying to get what you want or trying to relieve your fears of the future by controlling or, or appeasing or by using the spirit world. And he says, uh, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, Things that destroy community and relationships. Basically saying, what I want is more important than you. And if I don't get it, then I'm going to go through you to get it. And he says, uh, drunkenness and wild parties. And though that might not sound so bad, what he's actually talking about are like these binge parties that used to have in that world. Usually in honor of, a pagan, of the pagan gods. And they just go nuts and completely lose control. And he says... Uh, and other sins like these, meaning he's painting this wide picture of life without the spirit, this overall condition of the human nature. He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if people do these things, then they go to hell, right? Did he? That's a huge leap. Like he didn't say anything about hell. Like relax. What he's talking about is a life that is consumed by and based on these things is basically proof that there is not the Holy Spirit changing them from the inside out. In fact, the only thing that can send anyone to hell, and we can talk about that phrase for quite a while, is rejecting the love of God through Jesus, the Savior of the world. 
It's talking about the kingdom of God, God reigning in every part of our lives now and forever. And you obviously can't experience that if you're not living with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does what rules can't. He changes the human heart. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This kind of fruit, not fruits, not like individual things, but think of it like, oh, that bowl of fruit over, over there, right? See, he's, what he's about to do is give an overall picture of a life of walking by the Spirit. And most of these, if you look at them, are community-based. Because honestly, you can't live out the fruit of the Spirit by yourself. And so these things that I'm about to read describe the relationships, describe relationships that are nourished by the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. He starts with love. It's first, because everything else flows out of love. Jesus' new commandment, to love God, and out of that love, love your neighbor as yourself. And love is saying, I choose to see you as God sees you. I choose to pursue your good. And now everything else comes out of that love. He says, love, joy, the result, right? Think of a healthy relationship. Those bring joy. Joy, peace, peace having harmony in relationships, not constantly fighting. Wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, patience. Maybe a better word would be like this old word forbearance. It's this quality of choosing to bear with people even when they are wrong, even when they irritate you. So patience, kindness, and goodness. And it's not just being nice, right, and being a good little Christian nice person. No. These are genuine acts, physical acts of kindness towards others, doing good towards others. Faithfulness. Faithfully living out our trust in God through the ups and downs, and most likely as a community. Seen in our, in our faithfulness and our loyalty to each other, even staying in the same family when we disagree. Gentleness. Considering the needs and the hurts of others above our own. Not trying to push our own way on others and, and overpower them and, and out-influence them, but being gentle and letting them have their way. And self-control. And it's really, this is the only one that's focused on an individual, right? And in self-control is you don't use others to gratify your desires. You can say no to yourself. And he says, there is no law against these things. See, the spirit-filled, spirit-led life is not a life against the law of God. It actually fulfills the law of God. It makes the law, as the writer of Hebrews wrote, obsolete. Meaning these rules aren't needed anymore. The Holy Spirit makes rules obsolete. Now, the only person who actually lived out this fruit perfectly was Jesus. God, who became the only human to be fully human as we were created to be. And when we choose to trust him and receive him as our savior, as our God, as our king, we are then identified with him. We receive his life. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. We are reborn by God. And so Paul continues and he says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to, the, to his cross and crucified them there. See, if we belong to Jesus, then he says it, our sinful nature is crucified with Jesus. It doesn't have to control us anymore. It's crucified since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And so here is the mystery. The Holy Spirit is the power to live that way. He is the source of living this way. But somehow, 
we have a role to play too. See, the moment someone chooses to believe the message of Jesus, they are reborn by the Holy Spirit, like we talked about in the last episode. And the Holy Spirit comes at that moment and lives with them and lives in them and and starts transforming them from the inside out. See, rules try to control behavior, but the Holy Spirit is an actual person. He's the personal presence of God, living in, transforming, changing us from the inside out. And so the question really is, how do we walk with the Holy Spirit? Well, we can't make it happen, right? That's all the Holy Spirit who starts it and empowers it. But we can either work with the Holy Spirit or we can get in his way. We have control over how much of the Spirit we allow in our lives. And the more we choose to allow the Holy Spirit to guide every part of our lives, the more he changes us into the image of Jesus. It's an ongoing process of saying yes to the Holy Spirit and no to our sinful nature. It's asking really in every situation, what does Jesus' love look like? Rules can't answer that question. And so you might have a, a big question that I probably haven't answered yet is, if we don't need rules and we have the Holy Spirit to lead us, then why do we have the Bible? Well, first of all, that question is actually based on a false premise. The Bible is not a set of rules. The biblical writings that we have are the story of God. They show us who God is. It's it's the story of the people of God, living the life of God, what it looks like to walk with him. In fact, that's really what Paul is talking about in 2 Timothy. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It shows us what it means to live the life of God. But without the Holy Spirit, we can never actually do it. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes the life of walking with God possible. The Holy Spirit inspired the writings. The Holy Spirit inspired the writers to write this. But think about it. For the first few hundred years of Jesus following, there was no the Bible. And think, every hero that we look up to in the New Testament didn't have the Bible, did they? Because they're in it. But they had the same Holy Spirit guiding them that we have guiding us. The Holy Spirit didn't stop guiding and living in us once we had the Bible. So the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible, but the Holy Spirit is better than and more than the Bible. And the Bible does. It helps us know the Holy Spirit's voice. But we can't like chapter and verse our way through real life, right? You ask, what does God want me to do with my life? And somebody throws a verse at you like, this should be your life verse. And it's completely out of context. Or you flip open your Bible and, and read something like, a, like an eight ball, magic eight ball or Ouija board. No, it doesn't work that way. Or maybe somebody wants to divorce their spouse because God wants me to be happy with this other person. Look, you don't need a verse to tell you that's wrong. Because it goes directly against the new heart God has placed within you, where you have love and peace and patience and faithfulness and self-control. See, the Bible is good. The Bible is amazing. The Bible is wonderful. It's a gift from God, but it is not a replacement for the Holy Spirit. And if people are going to see what God is actually like, they need to see it in the lives of the people of God. And it doesn't happen by just following a list of rules or by trying to make others follow a list of rules. It happens by walking with the Holy Spirit. And so our goal this week is simple. It's to listen for the Holy Spirit. Maybe listen to the Holy Spirit. And I don't have a uh, step-by-step plan for you in this one. 
because it's going to be different for everyone. For some, it might mean taking a break from reading the Bible and choosing to sit and listen to the Holy Spirit. Maybe if you're one of those, in your quiet time, ask the Holy Spirit, what does love look like in my life today? What would it look like for me to walk with you in my life today? For others, it might actually be time to pick up the Bible and learn more of God's heart, more of the Holy Spirit's voice. Especially if you're you're new to this, you might need some extra guidance to see, okay, who is this that I'm saying I, I follow? Maybe read this passage that we read in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit and how you can apply that to your life. Maybe read the gospel and see what Jesus was actually like and allow him to speak to you there. But here is the point. When you are free from having to follow rules, you are free to truly be led by the Holy Spirit. You are free to join the dance of God and trust his heart and follow wherever he leads. When you are walking by the Spirit, you experience what life was actually meant to be. You experience the freedom to be exactly who God made you to be. And it might look in your might look different in your situation than it does to others. And so we don't force others to, to experience it the way we experience it. And as you're doing that, some people might try to put their rules on you, might try to put their experience on you and call you all kinds of names and maybe even question your faith. But knowing the voice of the Holy Spirit, choosing to follow him, gives us the freedom to, yeah, listen to those voices, investigate if there's any truth in them. But ultimately, it gives us the peace of knowing that we are being guided by the only one that matters, the personal presence of God himself. Rules bring punishment and guilt. The Holy Spirit brings freedom and life. Thank you for watching this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We meet regularly on Sundays at 4.30 p.m. You're welcome to join us in person to hear messages like this in real life with real people in real community. We have snacks afterwards, there's stuff for kids, we sing a few songs, and we take communion. Not in that order. You can also join a small group if you're interested in diving deeper into community. There's information about that on our website as well. Thank you for watching on YouTube, listening on the podcast, engaging with us on social media, and emailing us if you have any questions. And we look forward to having a conversation with you and meeting you in person. See you Sunday. Nothing to do with God. Behold, religious rules are... <laughs> behold, did you really just say behold? Behold, religious Pick a verse randomly and that'll be your thing, right? You have allowed me to suffer much hardship, but oh, that's actually pretty good. Okay, try again. Why does the Almighty bring wicked to jail? Ah. <laughs> Don't do this. Revelation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? The Holy Spirit's telling you something, John. I'm looking for bleeding women or something. Okay, maybe start over. Ah. <laughs> uh, Maybe I just don't do that. Don't do that. Don't play with God. Yeah, it's not a Ouija board, guys.